Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does this young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Do not go and glean in other, another field and do not go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you have noticed me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband how you have left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. She sat down with the harvesters. She offered, he offered her some roasted grain. He, she ate all she wanted and had left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to the men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and do not rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the fields until evening. Then she freshed the fresh and the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to an ether. She carried it back to her town, and to her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man that took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working, the name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Well, thanks, Matt. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you, Matt. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello! 
<laughs> Morning, everyone. My name is Bernie. I'm one of the pastors here. I've got this great privilege of, uh, of taking, uh, opening up the book of Ruth for you. It's a really lovely letter. Uh, it's a short one, but boy, it's a punchy one. Uh, it is getting pretty warm. It'll probably just get even warmer and warmer as uh, it goes along. So uh, if you need to, uh, to get some fresh air, then please get up whenever you need to, to, to go outside, get a breath of fresh air. Or if you need some water, there are two water fountains, one at the front over here, one at the back over there. Uh, it's refrigerated. I know because I just had a drink. Yeah, it's very nice. So if you need water, please do that whenever you need to. I'm going to pray and then I will get stuck into Ruth. Let's pray together. Father God, we give you thanks that uh, you are amongst us, and Father, as we have been able to sing about, uh, that we are in under your wings, that we are people who are come under your protection and care, and as part of your loving uh, care, you speak to us. So we pray that you continue to speak to us, and that, Father, you enable us to be able to hear and apply it straight into, from our minds, but also to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there was uh, my first camping trip with my kids, uh, and um, in the middle of that night, there was a storm. How about that? You should probably have, I probably should have kind of checked the weather radar before we went, but you know, first time around, we went there, and I, I worked out why you don't buy a tent from Costco, uh, because they really don't hand up, uh, they, they don't really stand up over a, a storm. So here I was, in the middle of the night, uh, for a few hours, just holding up the tent from the inside, just holding onto the ribs of the tents uh, so that my kids, who were pretty young at that point, uh, could sleep. They were unawares. They woke up the next day all refreshed and all lovely, and I'm looking really haggard. Uh, I'm thinking I didn't get any sleep last night, making sure that they could get some sleep. Uh, and I thought, I don't think we're going to see that tent ever again. Uh, and we didn't. We didn't. I think that's a bit like us. Uh, in our book today in Ruth. That is, God is making sure that he is holding up his wings, his tent, uh, to protect us from a storm that is outside. And we don't necessarily know this storm because we're kind of unawares inside. So he lets us see a little bit about what he's been doing in the background so that we get to feel his protection, so that we get to feel his care. Uh, we're going to find out how is it that he is our refuge today. Well, we're in chapter 2, right? But from chapter 1, we were left with hope. Uh, Naomi and Ruth made it back to Bethlehem, where God had come to the aid of his people. And, well, he's providing food again. They have arrived at the start of barley harvest, thus ending the famine. And we're asking how this family uh, of Naomi and Ruth, how will they go with re-entering the realm of God's aid and his people, will Naomi, remember, will Naomi continue to feel bitter because of God? That's what we were left with at the end of chapter 1. Well, we are immediately introduced to the next key character of the book, and that is Boaz. So have your Bibles open and your, your sermon outline open in your leaflets. Right from the start, we can already discern a plan that is coming together. I mean, just listen to the details. Boaz is related to Naomi uh, through her husband. And in the culture of the Israelites of the day, the wider family uh, look after each other. So that's, that, keep that in mind. Boaz is also known as a man of standing. So he is a person who's well-respected. He is morally upright and perhaps even wealthy. 
all details that makes us wonder if Naomi and Ruth, perchance, might meet this Boaz. While Ruth remains strikingly devoted as a daughter-in-law, and now we can add to that her hard-working nature, she asks Naomi, verse 2, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. She's not looking for big things. She's just looking for leftovers. And she knows that that'll depend on whether the field owner will, will show a little bit of compassion and care and generosity towards her. She is kind of at the, at the whim of those owners of those fields. Well, she's not going to sit around wallowing. Instead, she sets out to find food, not just for herself, but also for her mother-in-law. Now, I imagine that there, there are some dangers involved with uh, unaccompanied women roaming around foreign fields in those days. I mean, the book of Judges, uh, which is the backdrop of this book, tells us some horrific evil done to, to women in this land. And so we're a bit nervous at this point, Right. Ruth is going out, she's alone, she's single, and we're a bit worried about what's going to come uh, to her. Will she be safe? Well, whose field did she end up in? But in Boaz's field. We were already told that this was a man of standing, and boy, doesn't he show that he is a man of standing. He's one who remembers his God. There's this lovely greeting between him and his harvesters in verse 4. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. Quite opposite to what we were used to in the book of Judges, here are godly people in God's land. Well, it doesn't end there. Just notice how Boaz treats Ruth. Ruth is known as the Moabite in verse 6 who came back with Naomi. She is a foreigner. Remember that Moabites were the enemies of Israel. And the natural thing to do with your enemies is to cast them out or to treat them at least as lower than your lowest of servants. That's what you do with your enemies. Yet, in line with God's command to show mercy to foreigners, this is what Boaz says. So follow with me in verse 8. He says, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along with the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Boaz doesn't cast her out, but he invites her to stay. He doesn't make her feel like the worst of slaves, but lets her walk with the other women. More than that, he protects her by constraining the men. Perhaps the evil is still there, just restrained. And while she shouldn't have been the one drawing, or she should have been the one drawing water for the other women, she gets to drink that which the men have filled. There is overwhelming and unexpected compassion and care shown to Ruth. It's far beyond a coincidence, I hope you can feel by this time, that Ruth and Boaz come to meet it is God coming to the aid of his people. Precisely what we heard about in verse 6 of chapter 1. The unexpected compassion is not lost on Ruth. In verse 10, she says, oh, well, she bowed down her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes 
that you notice me, a foreigner. But isn't that just so humble of Ruth? Boaz's upright character is met by another upright character, even though she's kind of bound down at the moment. Why would someone like Boaz give any attention to a foreigner, an unworthy person, or even an enemy like Ruth? That's the question that we are left with here. And what follows is a response. We get a response from Boaz, which includes, I think, the key verse to the whole of the book of Ruth. So have a look with me. Verse 11, Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. What we had followed in chapter 1, the tragic deaths, Naomi's love, Ruth's devotion, well, it's retold from Boaz's lips. And we are reminded of Ruth's kindness and her sacrifice and her courage not for a person of her own kind, but for a foreigner, that is, her mother-in-law. In a way, Boaz showed compassion to this foreigner because Ruth had also shown such compassion to a foreigner, that is, Naomi. And what a blessing Boaz calls forth from God. I mean, we heard Naomi pray to God for a blessing for Ruth that she might find a husband, Now we hear an upright man, Boaz, pray for a greater blessing upon her. I mean, listen, that the Lord would repay her kindness, that he, God, would reward her. Ruth thought she was putting her lot in with Naomi, and that whatever would happen, good or bad, to Naomi, Ruth would accept along with her. She thought she was putting her lot in with Naomi. But this is really what she has actually happened. She had taken refuge under the wings of the God of Israel. She hadn't just put her lot in with Naomi. She had put her lot in with the God of Israel. It is just so in line with God's character that his compassion and his protection comes through. I mean, just listen to how Israel's God is described in Exodus 34. It's printed in your leaflets. It says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. See, Ruth is now under the protection and provision of this God of both love and of justice. Make no mistake, this isn't a book about the loving compassion of a man of standing, that is Boaz. This is a book about the God of standing, this God of compassion and of grace. It is why this series is called Refuge Under God's Wings. 
We've seen God come to the aid of his people by providing food, and that food has now reached these recently returned refugees. I wonder what picture you had when I said wings. You know, the wings that, that, that people, the foreigner has come under the wings of God. I wonder what picture you had when you thought of wings. Uh, at least for me, I wasn't thinking of chicken wings. I mean, those little tiny chicken wings can't cover very much, can they? I'm thinking about probably the, the, uh, the wedged eagle. You know, humongous wings. Taller than me, actually. I'm not very tall, mind you, but... Taller than me, these wings of this eagle, wide enough to be able to look after whatever chicks that she has, wide enough to be able to protect against the enemy, whatever might come across. I mean, these eagles have strong claws as well. I think, when I think of wings, I think of an eagle. Well, God is quite capable of keeping many safe under his wings. And he has just included one more person under his wings, and that is Ruth. Isn't that brilliant? Well, in verse 13, Ruth humbly places herself in Boaz's favor and requests that she might continue to find favor with him. And she does. She continues to find favor, and that favor increases. So by verse 14, she is invited not, not just to pick up grain, but to eat with Boaz and the harvesters. I mean, you went from being able to, to join in, to stay with the other women, to be able to drink, and then now she's eating with Boaz, the owner of the field, along with the other harvesters. Now she's eating the bread and the vinegar and the roasted grain. Hmm, roasted grain. Whilst her stomach had been filled with little for quite some time, now she is filled as she ate all she wanted and had some left over. She got a doggy bag. By verse 15, Boaz now instructs his workers to leave out some of their harvest to make it even easier for Ruth to collect grain. And how much does Ruth collect to bring back to Naomi? Well, the answer is, well, an abundance. In verse 17, in, your, in the Pew Bibles, if you've got that open, it actually says that it amounted to an ephah. And if you look a little bit to the right, it tells you a little bit about what an ephah means. It's about 13 kilograms of grain. 13 kilograms. That is no small thing to be able to pick up 13 kilograms of grain. To think that Naomi would have been expecting leftovers, and here she is with leftover well, grain, but also lunch. She brings it back to Naomi, and Naomi, to say the least, is just taken aback. She's astonished. And then Ruth brings out her doggy bag of leftovers with the bread and vinegar and roasted grain. I mean, Naomi must have just been expecting little, you know, some grain that might be able to tide me over for the, for the night, perhaps, until the next day when we can find more grain. And there, there Ruth is with 13 kilograms of the stuff and a doggy bag. Not bad. Well, Naomi asked her, verse 19, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Ruth did set out to see who might show her some favor, and, and someone obviously did, according to Naomi. And now comes the revelation, verse 19. The name of the man I work with today is Boaz. 
Well, up till now, Ruth didn't know that Boaz was related to Naomi. Well, the news just gets better and better as Naomi exclaims, verse 20, the Lord bless him. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. The man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Now, isn't that a different song to the song that Naomi sung before? It wasn't too long ago that we heard Naomi say, chapter 1, verse 20, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. I think at this point, Naomi must have said, I'm going to reclaim my, my old name back. I mean, it, I, I changed it to Mara because it meant bitter, but boy, life is not bitter anymore. I'm going to reclaim Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. Instead of affliction and misfortune, Naomi and Ruth have received kindness from their God. In the midst of their loss, in the midst of Israel's wickedness, God has not stopped. He hasn't stopped showing kindness. He has persisted in showing love to the living and the dead, the living being Naomi and Ruth, the dead being their husbands. He has shown kindness. He's shown kindness. His kindness has come in the form of provision of food, but it's also come in the form of protection. Ruth remained safe in foreign fields, in foreign lands, because God brought her to one particular field. God put Boaz there, his man of standing, an upright person who would show the same compassion as he. God was the one who ensured that Boaz instructed his workers not to lay a finger on Ruth. They didn't harass her. They didn't rebuke her. What Naomi accused God of doing that is afflicting her, God has restrained in the people whom Ruth encountered. Naomi recognizes this and says to Ruth in verse 22, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. God has shown immense kindness to the living and the dead. And again, in perfect symmetry, the chapter ends where it begins, in the field of Boaz. But really, I hope you can see by now, really it is the field of God. Because he was the one that was working. Can you imagine watching a uh, a home video today? It's a video of children in a playground And you see on the frame of this picture of this video, these children who are just playing gleefully and blissfully and joyfully and without a care in the world, they're just running up and down the slides. They're playing with the swings. And then the camera pulls out a little bit and widens the view. And what you can see in view now is a bunch of parents all to one side, but they're not not looking at their children. Excuse me. They're actually looking outside of the playground. And we're left looking at this picture going, 
why aren't you watching your children? Isn't that a little bit irresponsible that you're not watching your children? And then the camera pulls out a bit more so that you can see one parent in particular wrestling with this humongous dog that's pelting his way towards the playground. That's why the parents were watching. That's why the parents were placing themselves in between that danger and between the children. I think sometimes it can be so easy to blame God for not watching his children. When all the time he's been working out of view to protect us. I think books like Ruth really do us a great service because it lets us see the wider view because we can be so blinkered to see only the small view. That if you look out a bit more, you see the God whose wings we come under and he's protecting us. Just as he's protected Ruth. Now, there's an important theme that Naomi introduces, and that is of the, uh, the guardian redeemer. Uh, all I can say is you need to come back next week. Sorry about those visitors who's going to leave this week. Uh, you might want to kind of press in later on of the stream or whatever. But next week, we get to find out a little bit more about what a guardian redeemer does. I mean, even in just the name, you hear about what is it that this Boaz is going to do that's going to be, well, protecting Ruth and Naomi but also buying back something. Come back next week. The next two chapters, the last two chapters, actually pulls apart and digs into what those themes are. Come back. For now, let me talk about the difference Jesus makes. Jesus is like his father. Uh, He's just like his father when it comes to kindness to the living and the dead. He says in your leaflets, John chapter 10, verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I, Jesus, am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus protects his sheep. Jesus protects his people. And he does so by placing his own body in harm's way, in between the danger and his children. The real danger is the eternal judgment we face because as a humanity we have rejected God. Jesus, the ever-living, chooses to die so that the dead may be raised with him to everlasting life. Jesus shows ultimate kindness to the living and the dead by resurrecting people to life eternal. Can you see that Jesus is no stranger to the foreigner? He is no stranger to the stranger. He seeks to bring them into his pen and into his kingdom. Do you know how we know? Because that is each and every one of us. 
we were foreigners, aliens to his pen. We don't belong there, save for the work of Jesus. That's the only reason why we can hang around and play gleefully in a playground that God has created for us. So how will we trust in God's kindness today? Well, firstly, we can come under Jesus' wings. That is, entrust ourselves to him. Join his sheep in his kingdom. That is, stop relying on ourselves and our own strength and to trust in Jesus' protection instead. Now, as we think about this, I wonder whether a question we might have is, well, will God show the same kindness, the same way as he did with Ruth? I mean, will God provide someone like a Boaz to each one of us? Well, let me just say, God does actually more because he sends Jesus. And in a way, Boaz is a bit of a foreshadowing of Jesus, the guardian redeemer. But protection that Jesus ultimately brings isn't just from a people or from for a time, but protection from all evil and protection from God's anger. God doesn't just promise to provide food and protection in the same way as Ruth. He does much, much more. As with Ruth and Naomi, there will be times when, that we might face harm. But it's not because God doesn't care, but that he's working towards something greater. After all, even Naomi and Ruth experienced great loss, and yet God can use such loss even for his good purposes. Another concern we might have is what happens when God's kindness is not so noticeable in our situation. Well, remember, God did not stop showing kindness to the living and the dead. He doesn't stop showing kindness to us even when it's not so noticeable. I think Ruth, the book of Ruth, is a bit of a corrective for us. When we feel the temptation to accuse God of afflicting us or of misfortune, what we need is the bigger picture. And God has given us that big picture. One of the things that we can do for one another is in the times, particularly when it's good, when it's, when it's, when it's fine, is to remind each other of God's wings. So that when it isn't so fine, when it is troubling, when times of trouble comes, we remember those wings. We need each other to remind each other of that. Now as well as during the troubling times. Lastly, just as God shows compassion to us foreigners, and Boaz showed compassion to Ruth, I think the book of Ruth reminds us of how we can be compassionate to foreigners in our land. I mean, our church uh, sees foreigners from all over the world, people who come who are new, whether it is from a different country or even from a different state or different town or different city. We show the same love and compassion and character as our God whenever we open our hands and whenever we open our doors to them. For those of us who've shown such compassion to foreigners and to new people in our church, can I say thank you on God's behalf, right? Please continue to do it. Because our God is the God of compassion. Our God is the one who finds the brokenhearted, 
the foreigner, the alien, and brings them into his pen. And might I say, in his pen, there is so much more room for more to join. His wings are wide. How about our leaders in prayer? Let's pray together. Father, we give you great thanks that we can find refuge under your wings. That, Father, your wings has name, has a name. His name is Jesus. Your wings is far, far wider and far greater than any eagle that we might find here. It is vast. It is strong. It is compassionate. It is beautiful. Father, we are so thankful for your kindness to us, to the living and the dead. We thank you that you have not forgotten us. Indeed, you remember us to the utmost. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.